Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. And we are going to be looking at Psalm 23 this morning. I want to ask you a question, though. First of all, how has it been for you during this season? Have you been steady in the storm? Have you been steady in the storm? I want to tell you a little story about a time that I was not steady in the storm. Uh, When I was in college, I worked at an adventure camp in Colorado. It was a Christian adventure camp, and and people would travel from around the country, normally teenagers, and we would take them on these adventures like whitewater rafting. Uh, We would also go bike riding with them. We would do rock climbing and rappelling. And one particular day, we had the the kids up on this rock face, and they were rappelling down. They were being lowered by a rope down the side of the mountain. And I was there, and my team leader I had known a long time. He was actually from South Florida here, and I'd had a great relationship with him. He had been a mentor to me. But at that particular moment, while we were on the side of that rock face, a storm rolled in. A storm rolled in, and if you're on a mountain when a storm rolls in, it's actually quite terrifying. And so as that storm rolled in and the weather started to get bad and there was the sound of thunder and the, and the, the side of lightning, I panicked. And, and our team leader, the whole time, he remained calm and he said, everyone calm down, we're going to send the kids down the mountain and then my team will stay up here and we'll get the ropes and then we'll go down. Five minutes into us getting the ropes, I just panicked. I lost it. And I was like, we have got to get up here. Let's just go down and we'll come up later and we'll get the ropes. And because I was panicky, finally my team leader said to me, John, why don't you go ahead and go on down the mountain? And the rest of us will wait up here and we will get the ropes and then we'll come down. And I was like, yeah, I'm out of here. I'm I'm gone because this is really dangerous. There's lightning everywhere. And so I went down to the bottom of the mountain having that season of panic and waited for them to come down, and they did, and we eventually packed up all the ropes and went back to our camp. And when we got back to the camp, my team leader sat down with me, and he said, you were not steady in the storm because you didn't trust me. I knew how much time we had. I knew it looked terrifying, but I was not going to let anything happen to you, John. And you panicked, and you did not trust me. And that's why you were not steady in the storm. It's funny because I had trusted this person in other situations in my life, and I'd actually trusted him with my life before. I trusted him before when he had gave me counseling and guidance about different situations in my life. And I also trusted him with my life. He had been the very one who had held my rope while I rappelled off the mountain. And another time, I trusted his protection and guidance when we had a bear run through the camp. He knew exactly what to do and how to get the bear out. So I had trusted him before, but the circumstances had changed. And because the circumstances had changed, I panicked. But the thing was, even though the circumstances had changed, he had not. He was still trustworthy. And I was not steady in the storm because I did not trust him. 
Throughout the scriptures, the Bible tells us that we are sheep, and it's not a compliment. (laughs) We are fragile beings. We are often helpless. Sheep are are often prey for predators. They need protection. They aren't smart. They can often be helpless, and even when a storm rolls in and the water comes down and it soaks their wool, their wool can become so heavy that they can fall over and have a hard time getting back up. In other words, sheep are totally dependent on a shepherd. And in the midst of the storms that we are going through, and as you find yourself feeling more than ever like a sheep this week, I have good news for you. I have good news for helpless sheep who are not steady in the storm. And the good news is this. You have a shepherd. You have a good shepherd. You have a good shepherd that you can trust in the midst of this storm. And instead of worrying in ever-changing circumstances, you can learn to trust this good shepherd in any and all circumstances. Today, as we're going to look at the scriptures, we're continuing to go through John. We're going to also reference Psalm 23 and then jump around in John chapter 10. But first, let's pray and then we'll read Psalm 23. Jesus, our good shepherd, we pray that you would do a spiritual work even now through your word, that you would go deep into our hearts, and that you would give us fresh confidence in your care and commitment and leadership over us. Remind us to trust you and not to panic in the midst of this storm, but to be steadied by the presence of the shepherd. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. The word of God. The Lord is my shepherd, is how this psalm starts off. The psalm is written by David, and and throughout the psalms, he uses different imagery to portray his relationship to God and who God is to him. David will say things like, the Lord is my rock. And with that image of rock, we have this idea of someone or something that is strong and can offer us protection. David will also say, the Lord is my rescuer, which reminds us that in the midst of trouble, there is someone who can come and bring us salvation. And David will say things like, the Lord is my strong tower, which reminds us that the Lord can shield us from life's woes. But here David says, the Lord is my shepherd. And and, and what an appropriate image, because the shepherd isn't just one thing to the sheep, 
The shepherd is everything to the sheep. The shepherd is the provider, the protector, the healer, the comforter, and the rescuer. If the shepherd goes away, the sheep cannot survive. And so David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I want to invite you to reflect this on this past week. Have you functioned in life with the certainty that the Lord is your shepherd? Most often we don't function that way. We, we can function like the Lord is our aloof father who we have to get their attention. And when we get their attention, we don't have it for very long. But the Lord is not an aloof father. He is your shepherd. Sometimes we can function as if the Lord is an Amazon delivery man who shows up with the treasure truck and gives us treats and then we don't see him anymore. But the Lord is not a delivery man. He is your shepherd. And notice that the psalmist says the Lord is my shepherd. So often us as preachers try and remind the people of God that we are part of a family and we often say things like God is our God. We often try and remind everyone that this isn't an individual walk with Jesus. Rather, we're part of God's blended family together. But yet, the psalmist says here, he's my shepherd. He's mine. I have a personal relationship with this shepherd. He knows me, and he's my shepherd. And it's not just anyone that's a shepherd. It's the Lord. That's the special name of God. That means I am. The great God of the universe, I am, is my shepherd is your shepherd. But then we come to the New Testament. John chapter 10, verse 11. And Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. It's impossible to miss what he's getting at in saying I am. This, this is one of the seven I am statements in the, New, in, the, in the book of John. But he's telling us that he is the shepherd. He is the Lord. Jesus is God. And as our shepherd, he's good. He's good. Throughout the history of the people of Israel, there had been bad shepherds. Shepherds who were in it just for themselves. People who would lead the people of God to benefit themselves, not to give of themselves to the people. And therefore, those shepherds were bad shepherds, but a prophecy said that one who was a good shepherd was coming. A shepherd king who would have great power, but also would intimately lead the sheep. And here Jesus is saying, that is me. I am the good shepherd, and I will lead my sheep to life. Verse 10 in chapter 10. Jesus says, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. With Jesus as our shepherd, he's not leading us in the status quo. He's leading us towards the blessings of God and in the blessings of God that we might deeply experience the love of God and the forgiveness of God and the spirit of God. Jesus is leading us towards life and life abundant. And therefore, the psalmist can write in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. This week, I bet you felt a little bit like the only person looking out for you was you. I felt that way at times. But Jesus, as our shepherd, is constantly looking at our situation and going, what do my sheep need? And he's not withholding from us. 
If you've ever seen little kids who are bigger than other children, they might take something that the little child wants and hold it up here so that the child can't get it. Jesus is not like that. Jesus is leading us towards life and life abundance, and he assesses what we need, and he brings life into our lives. Look how the psalmist says it in 23.2. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. David knows that the Lord, that King Jesus, is leading him moment by moment. And therefore, if he is leading David moment by moment, David can trust. David can rest. And you can too. Because you are being led by an unchanging shepherd in the midst of ever-changing circumstances. Ever-changing circumstances. We don't know what is going to happen tomorrow, but we know the character of the shepherd who is good and who is leading us towards life. Well, how do you know if you trust the shepherd? How do you know if you trust him to lead you to life? Well, you'll find a sense of contentment even in the midst of these ever-changing circumstances. Paul says it this way in Philippians 4, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him, through Christ, who strengthens me. That puts that famous verse in a little bit different perspective. It's not about doing anything that we want to do. It's about learning to be content and trusting Jesus no matter what's happening around us. And so often it's hard to trust, especially in normal life, but in this situation, it's hard to find contentment when it feels like everyone is out for themselves and everyone's panicking. I asked Virginia the other day, I said, when do you think people will start to lose their moral compass? Like, at what point will people let down general rules of civility and go, I'm out for me, forget you? And we've already seen that a little bit. But as the people of God, we're called to trust. We're we're called to trust that God will supply. And we're we're told to be content in any and all circumstances, not to lose our moral compass just because things are crazy. It reminds me of a story my wife told me. She had a friend about 20 years ago that called her and said, I need to come into town and I need to ask you a very serious question. And so this friend drove five hours to meet with my wife. And when they sat down together, the friend said, I've got something to tell you, and Virginia's like, what's up? And she's like, well, I'm really low on money, and I woke up the other morning, and there was $5,000 in my bank account, and it wasn't mine. And she goes, well, what, what do I do? And Virginia said, is it yours? And she said, no. And Virginia's like, you need to drive home and go to your bank and tell them that they accidentally put money in your account. And she said, well, God works in mysterious ways. And didn't call my wife back for over a year. Look, during this time, things are crazy. And the temptation is to only look out for yourself. The temptation will be to lose your moral compass and to panic because you lost sight of the shepherd who is leading you. Don't lose your moral compass. 
during this time. Just because a, a door is open doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus opened it. Continue to follow the shepherd on right paths. See, part of what Jesus wants to do is lead us on right paths for his name's sake. 23 verse 3 says, he renews my life. He leads me along the right paths or paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus' character doesn't change in ever-changing circumstances. At the same time, we're called to reflect his character no matter what the circumstances. We're called to be his people. We're called to mimic who he is. So we're, we're to be led this season knowing who he is and also displaying who he is to a watching world. That means we walk through this season aware of the righteousness of Jesus and by grace and empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we continue to follow Jesus during this time. We share what we have with those in need. We pray for those who are worried. We encourage those who are discouraged. We speak up for the voiceless during this crazy time. We continue to be led on paths of righteousness in order to display to the world who Jesus is. We bring life to others because Jesus himself has committed to bring us towards life, even when things are really dark. We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. Twenty-three, verse four, says, "Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me." David has made a little switch here. That's important. He has been talking about he, the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. But all of a sudden, right here in the midst of talking about the darkest valley, he says, "You." In other words, he stopped talking about the Lord and started talking to the Lord because he's internalizing in a deeper way the Lord as his shepherd. He's internalizing the Lord's commitment to him. He's owning the fact that he is a sheep of the Lord and that the Lord is committed to be his shepherd. And then he says, not I will not fear, but I, I fear no danger for you are with me. It's not because I'm tough. It's because God is present with me and committed to me. I often have to remind myself that God's commitment to me is not based on the level of my commitment to him. I often think that if I have more faith, then God loves me more and provides me more and is more committed to me. But the truth is we are frail beings. And this relationship isn't based on our commitment to him, but on his unchanging commitment to us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The staff was a shepherd's tool for guidance of the sheep. It was his way of directing the sheep where they should go. And, and the rod was a tool of protection to beat away anything that would come and prey on the sheep. Back to chapter 10, verse 12, Jesus talks about his commitment, comparing himself as a shepherd to a shepherd who might be hired to take care of the sheep. Jesus says the hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. 
The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. In the writings of that time, there were laws about a shepherd who was a hired hand, who was hired by someone to take care of someone else's sheep. And the rules were if there was one wolf that attacked the sheep, the hired hand had to stay. But two, it's understandable, they're not your sheep. You can leave because a hired hand couldn't fight off two wolves. But Jesus is telling us about this scenario because he wants us to see that no matter what comes towards his sheep, he will not abandon them. He is not a hired hand. He is committed to his sheep. He will never leave them nor forsake them. We are in troubling times, and there's no way around it. Life is hard. Disappointments are present. Hardships have come. There is pain in the world. But many will look at the pain and the hardships and the disappointment and assume because those things are present, Jesus is not. They will assume that because those things are present, Jesus has failed in his commitment to them. They will begin to ask the question, what did Jesus ever do for me? Why should I stick with him? Now that's a very real wrestle. But let's flip that for a moment. We forget to ask, what did you ever do for Jesus? Why should Jesus stick with you? Yet he does. He is present with you as his people. He's 100% committed to you. And that doesn't mean that life is not going to be hard. Life will be hard. But Jesus promises to be committed to you and present with you and never leave you or forsake you no matter how hard life gets. Because he sticks with his sheep. And he gives his life for them. Look what Jesus says over and over in chapter 10, verse 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from the Father. I don't know if when you've started to date someone, if you've had good friends around you during that time, your friends will tell you, go slow. Give a little bit at a time. Like, don't don't go all in from day one. That's not wise. Get to know the person, then give them a little bit of yourself at a time. And yet here's Jesus giving all of himself from the beginning for his sheep. He's 100% in from day one. Not just laying down a little bit of time, a little bit of energy, a little bit of relational space, but giving his very life. I lay down my life for my sheep. It makes me think during this time, what would I give up for a stranger? Would I give up a a little bit of toilet paper, (laughs) a little bit of Purell, a little bit of food, a little bit of the extra money? What about all of it? Would I give all my toilet paper away to a stranger, all of my hand sanitizer, all of my food, all of my money? Well, no way. Yet Jesus doesn't just give us supplies. He gives us his very life from day one. 
He lays down his life for his sheep, which means that he is committed to pay our debt for sin. Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We are not sheep who are naturally obedient. We are naturally rebellious. We have broken the law of God. We have strayed from our creator. And because God is righteous, he will not relax on his commands. And because he's just, there must be punishment for disobedience. And so we are sheep who need forgiveness and reconciliation. But all we like sheep have gone astray, yet the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, on the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the iniquity of us all. Jesus died the death that we deserve to die so that by his death we could live, absorbing the impact of God's wrath against sin. Though he was sinless, he gave his life for sinners. In 2009, on her 54th birthday, Shirley Diger, a grandmother of three, decided to do something exhilarating. She decided to go skydiving. On her 54th birthday, the grandmother of three went and paid to go skydiving, and she was matched with a man named Dave Hartsock. Dave Hartsock. And they were going to do a tandem jump. They would jump out of the plane together. Dave strapped to her back, pulling the chute, safely landing on the ground. They got in the plane, strapped together, and climbed thousands and thousands of feet in the air. And then they jumped. And Shirley said it was exhilarating. It was everything that she'd hoped for until they pulled the cord. And when they pulled the cord, the parachute deployed, but it was all tangled, and they continued to fall. Well, Dave, having a lot of training, decided to pull the second parachute. And he pulled it and it deployed, but because the first parachute was tangled, the second one was tangled as well. And there they plummeted towards the earth in tandem together. And Shirley thought to herself, I'm going to die. Until Dave yelled into her ear, lift your feet. Shirley didn't know what, why he was saying that. She didn't know what the plan was, but she obeyed. She lifted her feet. And as she lifted her feet, Dave slid his legs under her. And like a shepherd holding his sheep, they plummeted horizontal to the earth. Dave was going to take the impact of hitting the ground for Shirley. And he did. And while it was not pretty, they both lived. Shirley was able to make a recovery. She had a broken neck, broken ribs, and damaged organs. But because Dave had taken the impact for her, he was paralyzed from the neck down. He gave his life willingly that she might live. Later in an interview, Dave said, it was the right thing to do because I had taken responsibility for her. Dave had given his life for her. Not because he was forced to, he did so willingly. And friends, this is a small picture of Jesus, the good shepherd, who willingly lays down his life for the sheep. Not something he did against his will, but something he gave willingly for you. He went to the cross on your behalf. He died. He absorbed the wrath of God in your stead. He was buried in the tomb, but he did not stay in the tomb. 
He defeated sin and death and the devil for you. He rose from the dead on the third day. And then he ascended into heaven. And there he rules and reigns. And we wait for his return. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for us. And if you get a picture of that, it will change your perspective in the midst of these circumstances. If you get a picture of the good shepherd who leads you to life, who's committed to you no matter what, if you get a picture of the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, it will help you be steady, steady in the storm. And it might be, it might be that even during this time, your relationship with Jesus deepens. Not because the circumstances go away, but because you know that he's present with you, loving you, caring for you, willing to never abandon you because he loves you. And maybe you can say, like the psalmist says in verse 5 and 6, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. In this last little section, the imagery goes from a shepherd to the the host of a banquet. And we think that the host is bringing David uh, to, to, to dine and feast and party with all his enemies tied up because they are victorious over them. And then he says that goodness and faithful love will pursue me. And that word pursue is not strong enough. It's more of an aggressive chase. I know that you and I are scared of being chased down by germs, but I'm here to tell you today that if you know Jesus Christ, the goodness of God and the faithful love of God is coming after you right now. Not because of anything that you have done, but because Jesus loves you and is committed to you. And when you place your trust in him when you turn away from your sins. You are his forever. He is the good shepherd. I don't know what the next month holds for you. I I, I don't. I don't know. But I do know your ultimate destiny is forever with Jesus who loves you. That you will dwell in his house forever, that when he returns, he will make all things new, and there will be no more crying or pain or diseases or death. He will defeat them all, and we will spend eternity with him in a recreated world. And if you have your eyes on that, if you have your eyes on the good shepherd, it will steady you in the storm. Not because you stopped being a helpless sheep, Not because the storm went away, but because you see that you have a shepherd and he is good. And you can trust him. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.